Should Christians homeschool their children? In societies where God and His Word are demeaned, dismissed, or ignored, the option may feel both overwhelming and necessary. In one of our most challenging episodes yet, we tackle the question, if God provides us with what we need to follow Him, even when it's tough, and His Word is our truth, where do secular school systems fit in? This week, Sam Sorbo joins us to empower and challenge you with what she's come to realize while raising her own children. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. Are you equipped for the real battle? And the spiritual is not just about your weaponry. It's about what you consume and who's calling the shots in your life. You are listening to the Pantry Podcast, Season 7, God Intentions, where we look at the way we live and ask, is this from God or do I just think this is good? Help us fuel 59 countries with spiritual nutrition. Donate on Patreon or thepantrypodcast.com. And now let's dig into the meal. Hey. Hi. Man, it's so awesome to be here. I know, I know. I'm super excited. We have a good guest on tonight. And let me tell you something. We're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about homeschool. We're going to talk about the importance of raising them up. If there's one thing that we know right now, that evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse, and deceiving and being deceived is, is just part of the game. And we need to understand this when we're raising our kids. Because let me tell you something, they're coming after the family unit. And that is a passion for me. That is something that I'm like, no, this has got to stop. And then when you dial that back down, it's all about kids. Right. They want our kids. And we do not want them having our kids. And as Christian mothers and fathers, <laughs> Satan needs to stay away. Anyways, (laughs) we need to raise them right. And tonight we have someone that is just awesome for this. Yeah, tonight we have Sam Sorbo. She is a Hollywood actress, an international fashion model, a nationally syndicated radio show host on the Sam Sorbo Show. She's a film producer, an author, and most importantly, a believer in Christ who's passionate about family, parental autonomy, and home education. She uses her access to push back against the tainted culture promoted in our public schools, movies, music, and video games, and she empowers others to fully engage with and amend the world around them. Her most recent book, Words for Warriors, delves into the hijacking of our language by a, and this is my word, demonic movement, dead set on not simply denying God, but proclaiming itself as God. She met her husband, Kevin Sorbo, on the set of Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and they married in 1998. And they currently home educate their three children and produce family-friendly entertainment via Sorbo Family Film Studios. So we're so happy to have you with us today. So welcome to the pantry. Yeah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It doesn't look like much of a pantry, but I believe you if you say it. (laughs) (laughs) We debated having like lots of mason jars and like food behind us. And we're like, it's a spiritual pantry, though. They'll see the analogy. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) So right off the bat, one of the things that we really wanted to talk to you about was homeschool. And then when we started listening to the interviews you've already had and the the resources you've put out, you use self-educate. So could you kind of give people a little bit more of an understanding of why you chose that term? What led you to this place that we're in right now? Yeah, so I picked up self-teaching because one of the one of the sort of the stigmas that's attached to homeschool is that the parent has to become the teacher. And that is not the correct uh, assumption that people should be making. Um, And so what happens is the parent says, well, I don't know calculus. So how can I possibly teach my fourth grader? Seriously, like, and and you say, well, can you just break that down a little bit for (laughs) me? When you get them thinking about it, eventually you get you might get them to understanding that, well, actually they do have a fourth grade education, so they could perhaps, but by that time you've sort of lost the argument because it's so overwhelming for them to think that they have to know everything and they don't have to know everything. In fact, it's almost better if they don't 
know everything or even much of anything, frankly. It's almost better. Um, and so I moved over to self-teaching because it takes the onus off the parent, but it also simultaneously, when you say to a child, where do you go to school? And the child gets to answer, oh, I'm self-taught. Then the kid gets to take ownership of it. And it, it, it's, it's, he, it's his responsibility. He takes it on. And that's, that's a good thing, right? Because we want children to understand that, that ultimately it's on them. Ultimately, it's their responsibility if they, if they choose to learn or choose not to learn. So, um, so that's why. The other reason was I needed to rebrand it because, well, it's a lie. It's not home and it's not school. So, so why are we calling it two words that it isn't? Right. Because what we're suffering from today in the culture is that we have been schooled, but not educated. Mm. And so if today I were to ask you, perhaps not you, but the general person, the, the you know, what, what do you mean by you want your child to get a good education? We want our kids to have a good education. What does that mean? Define that for me. Well, typically it boils down to get into a good college, which means what? Get a good job, which means what? Get good pay. Right. Right, and so right. it's all basically a financial arrangement, but that's not what education is about. Now that's what, that might be what preparing your child for you is about. All you care about is that the kid makes a lot of money. And you know, if you're looking at retirement, I get that. You want your kids to make a lot of money, <laughs> but, <laughs> but should that be as Christians, should that be our focus for our children? And I remember growing up uh, and I, I did not grow up in the faith at all. And I remember at some point talking with a parent and them being very proud that their son or daughter, I guess son was going to go into the clergy. And my initial reaction was, well, that's not going to make a lot of money. <laughs> right. Like, what good is that? There's no money in that. Right. Yeah. And of course, since I've become a Christian, I've realized that our focus is completely wrong. So I grew up in that system where you went, you got a good education. We moved for the schools, you know, you went to a good college. I went to Duke University for a good career path, which was supposed to be medicine. Um, and I was, you know, I had bought in, I was firmly planted on that road. And then uh, something intervened, God <laughs> intervened, I suppose, and just showed me that there was a different way to get stuff done. Right. So I'm on a crusade now, pretty much a crusade to um, enlighten and empower parents to take on this, this great big nut, right? But it's really not that big of a nut. It's just that we've been so misguided and miseducated. We've been schooled to think that education is harder, more complex, more mysterious, more difficult than it really is. And I think that as parents, we have a, we have a leg up. I mean, we have Jesus, we have God, you know, it's like tr trust in the Lord always, you know, it's like, I got to trust in that. I got to trust that what I'm putting into my kid isn't, isn't something that I'm portraying onto them. I like what you're saying. I like this idea that they're empowered, you know, cause that empowerment is so big. Empowerment is huge. You know, when, when you go over and you build a team or you, cause I do a lot of team building, I'm an army guy. And so I do a lot to, and I like to empower people. And you see a difference that when you're trying to make someone something that they're not, or you're allowing them to grow into who they're supposed to be. Right. I think it's, it's so important, especially given the current like just worldwide climate of what is acceptable. And that's an ever changing daily change, like daily shift of what's acceptable, what's not. And we already know that they hated him first. So if you're with him, there's going to be that inevitable day where what you're trying to instill in your kids at home is no longer compatible at all and no longer acceptable. And so there comes this shift where you might have to uproot the cultural shift you've already made in yourself. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do it the way the world does 
But for the glory of God, there's going to be that shift. And homeschool is one of those things. Self-teaching well, is one of those things. Absolutely. But here's the, here's the problem that we face as Christians. Government schools teach evolution to the exclusion of Bible. Right. That's a lie. Right. I mean, how can you look your children in the eye on Sunday and say the Bible is the word of God and then send them into a system for seven and a half hours every day of the week that tells them the Bible is a series of fairy tales. Here's the problem that you as a parent faces. You are telling the child tacitly, tacitly telling the child by, by dropping them off at school, the school knows better than mommy does. The school does this better than daddy. The school is smarter than daddy. That's why daddy isn't bring, isn't keeping you home to teach you what daddy knows. Daddy knows really nothing. The school knows everything. And so trust the school. I trust the school to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. The school says, the Bible is a series of fairy tales. It is such a ridiculous book. We don't even pay any attention to it. Right. We right. completely ignore it. That's how important it is. Not important at all. Then you take the child to church once a week. And first of all, children should not go to Sunday school. They should be in, in chapel or uh, in, you know, in service with their parents. But say, say they are or say they're going to Sunday school and you're trying to tell the child, oh, you know, the, the church, this is the word of God. This is the truth. This is where it's at. You got five days a week where the school is telling them, no, no, your dad knows nothing because the Bible's dumb and we know everything. And then one day a week where you're trying to tell them some sort of something that's, that looks pretty hypocritical. Right. So you're actually under, so stop taking your children to church. If you're sending, wow, I actually never thought of it that way. If you're sending your children as a Christian, if you're sending your children to public school, for goodness sake, stop taking them to church because all you're teaching them at church is that you're a hypocrite. Wow. I'm sorry. No, no, no that's, that's, that's the truth. That's, right. Uh, no, like, that's what this is like all about. I hate it. I hate it when I come up with these things and yeah. I go, okay, wait, I'm just following the logical trail here. Right. That's the truth. Right. Uh, I mean, the apostle Paul, one of my favorite sayings, and I think I've said this like 10 times now, it says, if it's not of Christ, it's dung. Right. So then Amen. if I'm, if I'm putting them into dung every day, like they're, they're getting more dung than they are Christ. Now that doesn't count what you're doing at home, but you're allowing the indoctrination to come into things. Now we are huge proponents on home. On I'm sorry, let me say it right. Self teaching or self education. Yeah, uh, because what we see in society. So I have a question on that. What turned this light switch on for you? Like what? What? Whoa. What finally got you to this point where you're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no more. I'm starting to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, pretty simple. Uh, my kid was in second grade. We moved to the school district for the schools. This was supposed to be the best school district around and it was a lovely little school and they just weren't getting the job done. So I would bring my child home and I did, I, I wasn't crazy about the work that they were sending home with him. But one day, but you know, by the way, I was the guilty parent. So I was in the classroom helping the teacher. I was grading papers. I was taking the kids to library. I was teaching art in the, in the classroom. I was, you know, I was involved. Right. right. And we turned in five book reports, one book report a month. I, I would stay after school. I would come in to pick up the kids and I would, I would stay after and help the teacher clean up in the classroom because I liked her. She was cool. And I, she had just had triplets and I thought that was cool. So I would chat with her and help her yeah. clean up. And after five months of this behavior, I haphazardly, I just said, hey, how are Braden's book reports? Because I haven't ever seen one back because they never sent them back graded. Mm. And she like this, like without wasting, like she didn't go Braden. No, she literally just said, oh, not very good. I thought she was joking. I said, "What? wait, what? She said, no, not very good at all. And I was like, but you didn't tell me. Wait, you didn't tell me. And all of a sudden, and this is, this is what's fascinating. This is how deep in the doo-doo I was. 
I started chastising myself. Oh my gosh, I'm a bad mother. I haven't been doing right by my son. Um, he's been turning in crappy book reports and I didn't even know and I should have known, et cetera, right? right? But here's the thing. I never raised a second grader before. How was I supposed to know that his book reports were bad compared to the other students? There was no way for me to know. So I said to her, well, show me a good one. Like show me, you know, show me something that I could compare it to. And she showed me the most beautiful you know, cursive handwriting, the entire page was filled in, every question answered with perfect grammar and complete sentences. And I was such a dupe. I, I was mortified. I thought, oh my gosh, my son's chicken scratch is so far removed from that, you know, work of art. And now, of course, mm-hmm. now I realize the parent did that. Right, that was my first thought. <laughs> so she showed me the parent's work, which, right. you know, sh- and so shame on her. Right. But at the time I was mortified. So I said, okay, you know what? We're doing book report every day after school. We're going to do book report. And so every day after school, he came home and we sat down at the kitchen counter and I like, you know, leaned in and over his shoulder and no, you have to read the whole chapter. Now you need a sentence. Don't take the first sentence of the chapter. That's cheating. Don't take the last sentence. That's cheating. Put it in your own words. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And it was, you know, pulling teeth for a second grader, by the way, any parent that puts up with, um, with homework, I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? No, you get my kid for seven and a half hours a day at school. He better not come home with homework. When I hire a plumber, he doesn't leave me with extra pipes to install. (laughs) I don't accept homework from any other discipline. Why are we accepting it from schools, especially especially grade school? You want to tell my 12th grader that they have reading to do outside of class? Absolutely. But don't be telling that to my second grader. Uh Uh-uh. And so I started doing the book reports. I became substitute teacher, which is such an enviable position, right? That's where we want to be. And I realized, finally, the book reports are stupid. Like the way that they have the kid, they're just dumb. They're like, fill in the blank. Like, it's just ridiculous. Right. Mm. So I didn't like that. Then we went on a trip and she gave me work to do. And the first thing my son says is, mommy, mommy, um, teacher says we don't have to do this. She says that we don't do this. We don't need to do this. She had sent me on a trip with the work that she specifically doesn't assign in class. So she literally turned me into the nasty substitute. And I went, okay, this isn't working for me. So I started researching my, um, my options. And I like to tell this story, although my husband doesn't like it so much. Um, <laughs> I researched some options. And then I went to Kevin. And I said, hey, I, I really think I should try homeschooling this fall. Just for the semester, just for the fall, just to see. He said, well, what about the, what about the private Christian school? That's supposed to be a great school. Mind you, they have a huge drug problem, but never mind. They, they're supposed to be the, you know, they're the Christian school. So they must, they're great. And they've got a great athletics department, which how that bodes well for any kind of educational pursuits is beyond me, but they've got a great athletics department. And I said, okay, we could try that. I think it's $30,000 a year. And he said, well, well, let's try homeschool first. <laughs> hey, I, I, I feel that one though. Right. I'm okay with that one. Right, right. That, that, seems, that seems like a logical next step. No, I mean, all of this makes me think of second, I mean, not second Colossians, Colossians 2. Um, pretty much all of it, because this is where it talks about the don't fall and succumb to the philosophies and cultures and traditions of men. But in Colossians 2, 20 through 22, it says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to these decrees, such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? And when I, when I think about what's going on, and the traditions that keep getting worse and worse. You quoted recently in, I think it was one of your episodes, you quoted C.S. Lewis about education without values seems rather to make man a more clever devil. And yeah. uh, 
And it just seems it's so true because everything's becoming relative. Everything's relative. Standards are plummeting. And the least common denominator is king. You know that at least in Ohio, proficient, the standard of proficiency is at, is is considered a score of 38% on the test. Uh, so we need to, but we're not educated, right? We're schooled. Right. So we're schooled to accept the word proficiency without asking for its new definition, which is actually why I wrote my book, Words for Warriors, because they are taking our words and redefining them. Mm-hmm. And then they're using them basically against us. So that tell us, oh, you know, it's your student has proficiency. Uh, they can pass one third or, you know, less than less than uh, half of the questions on the test. And that somehow demonstrates proficiency. That's not the meaning of proficiency. Right. In fact, I'm writing, I'm going to write a second book because I've got so many new words that they're taking. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Well, I mean, the dictionary is adding words every day. So anyway. Yeah. And, re- and, and redefining, redefining everything. The yeah. I mean, I don't mind redefined. adding words. I don't yeah. mind that because I, I don't mind that as much because they're, yes, they might be a bit nebulous and then you don't know what somebody's saying. But if you take a word and redefine, like racist is now redefined right. to mean white person. Right. So, so, you know, excuse me, wait, what? When did that happen? Like, right. and that's just now basically the accepted definition. We have to be very careful here. The, the way I put it in my book is uh, in the beginning was the word. Right. And the word was with God and the word was God. And so the reason that they're taking our words and changing their meanings and turning them into lies is it's an attack on God. Right. right. And so we have to be strong in the word and we have to stand up for the truth. Because as Jesus himself told Pilate, who asked him, why have you come? Jesus didn't say, I came to open a can of whoop-ass on the, the Pharisees. He, I didn't come to overturn tables in the temple. I didn't come to, you know, save. Uh, well, he came to save, but that's not what he said to Pilate. Right. right. What he said to Pilate was, I came to bear testimony to the truth. Mm. And that's what we're called to do. Right. And the truth is, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And so if we send our children into institutions that have codified this idea that the Bible is a series of fairy tales, I don't, I don't know what I, as a Christian, I don't know what you're hoping to get out of that. You're either going to simply be alienated from your child. And so the question is, do you want to, do you want to lose them entire? I don't even know. I don't know how you can salvage that. I know that it's done. I know that some parents can galvanize their children, but you can't entirely galvanize your child because here's the thing. And what I've said to my kids for, for, for decades now, uh, or almost decades, I suppose, um, there, there are certain things that you can't unsee. There are certain things that you can't unhear. Mm. And so, you know, when children are exposed to sexual paraphernalia or over-sexuality or homosexuality or bestiality, right? The, there's, a, there's no reason that a second grader should be taught the word lubrication, okay? Right. Um, un- unless they're talking about motors, <laughs> right? <laughs> engines, right? right? And yet they are. And the argument is, well, they're going to learn about sex one day. But we have a thing that we've acknowledged in our culture that there are age appropriate times for certain lessons right. and there are appropriate situations for certain lessons. Well, the, the gloves are off and now every age is deemed an appropriate age. And our, my job, as, as I see it, is to call for the protection of children. So I'm calling on parents to self-teach their children because otherwise they cannot form a, a hedge of protection around the children because the, the devil is out there and he wants your child. And I had somebody on my podcast recently who was talking about this. And she said, you know, like I say that the left is, is, is 
out to get the word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with the lie. Um, the reason is, is not, so the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world that he didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I take that one step further. The greatest trick that, that the left or the evildoers have ever, have ever played is to convince the rest of us that they don't believe in God. They, they do. They do believe in God. They believe they are God. Right. And as God, and by the way, they're a jealous God, which is why you're not allowed to go to church. Um, as God, they want to be able to decree and have all power. And I had this gal on the show and she was talking about this. She said, you know, they, they admire Jesus Christ to the degree of they, they like his victimhood, right? He died on the cross. They admire the victimhood. That's why they claim the mantle of victims. And they, and they love his innocence. And that's why they prey on children. That's, that's, that's deep. Yeah. It's deep, I, right? I, um, and I mean, I underline everything in this idea of Luciferianism. Yeah. Uh, I call it what it is. I, I really, man, I spent some time. So you're talking about this, the left, you know, and, and I've spent a lot of time in the By military. the way, if there's a better word for that, oh, I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I've, I've come to this conclusion. And, and this well, is people, just. People come to me and they say, you know, it's not that political. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know how to make it not political. I think everything is political. And if, if you don't believe that, then, then you've got your head in the sand. But when we have a political party in the United States that wholeheartedly supports and applauds the dismemberment of babies in the womb. And of course, babies are, um, are the image bearers of God, right? To the, to the greatest degree, they represent the, they represent the innocence of, of, uh, of God and the goodness of God. I, I don't know how you can't, how, how you can extract the politics from, this kind of discussion, right? Right. I, I, so extraction, <laughs> here comes, <laughs> and you can, and you can come on me with this only because I don't sit left or right. Um, I go back to first Samuel eight where Israel sitting there and they're like, we don't want God no more. We want Kings. And so Samuel comes to God and he's like, God, what? they want Kings. And he's like, fine, give them Kings. You're going to get oppression. They're going to take your oppression's not in the Bible. Y'all. So for all y'all that are listening, <laughs> but if you take my best vineyard, if you take my best child, if you take my daughter, you take my son, you take my things. Right. Right. Well, well, so then I have come to a conclusion in my years. I don't look at either side of them as good. I, and if, if the last year didn't tell me anything with how the right and left can come all the, together and start working together, it just took me to a term of Luciferianism. And all they're trying to do is oppress because it doesn't matter who we put into office. Our kids need to be homeschooled. I will never. Okay, I like that. I like that. So I will start using the Luciferians. <laughs> look, we no, will literally, no, seriously. We, are glad, yeah. we would gladly sit and have a whole sideline, like when the interviews, we will gladly, because it's amazing when you, when you distill it down, right. how when you track the roots of anything that we disagree with, you will come to the same line of beliefs. They all have that original same fingerprint. And it also goes back to game theory. And this is a deviation that's relevant because when you're thinking about your children and you yes. think, well, I'm just going to pick something that has the word Christian slapped on it, or I'm going to pick private, or I'm going to pick, like I'm going to build a little fence, but still not be the one with the ultimate, the ultimate ownership. When right. you do that, it's game theory at its finest, where the proposed solution brings the world closer to revelation. As we know, as Christians, we know where the end game is. And before revelation 21, there's revelation 20, right? And so this oh, is that how it works, right? And so, <laughs> yes, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, praise the Lord. But yeah. right before we have a one world operation that is bowing down to the devil. And so this game theory of we have a proposed solution that we want enacted because it brings us closer to our end goal. So we're going to wait or orchestrate an issue. And then you will cry 
kings, kings, help us, not God, God, help us. And then we will give you the pre-planned solution that we had all along. And so even if you look for blue or red or left or right or up or down, if it's not Christ, right? The good intention of moving your kids elsewhere, but still not making their salvation priority will still lead you to the same place, which is why we appreciate no. your view on your, it no, so much. No, your view is beautiful. And, and, and just as a, a quick little in, in there, and real quick, I saw Christian families, like, applauding that there's some school districts now giving two minutes of silent time for a kid to pray or, or do whatever. And it's like, they, they're like, we won. No, you didn't. They gave you, you know, two listen, minutes? Listen to what <laughs> Sam's telling us. Listen to what Sam's telling us. Your kid in school all during the week, you might as well stop taking them to church. Because they are getting By the way, how is the silent time presented? All right, kids, we're just going to be quiet for two minutes. And I mean, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but here we go. (laughs) So just, you know, twiddle your thumbs or whatever, but it's mandated that we have to give you the two minutes. So you sit quietly for two minutes. I'm going to get some work done. Like, how is that presented? And why are we satisfied with crumbs when we, when in in righteousness, we ought to be claiming correctness for our, for our children? Like, Wow. Yeah. It's very sad. Right. I, I, I get frustrated with yeah. <laughs> parents who, who, you know, go and rail against the school board. How dare you? And you better, you better behave and you better. And look, great, great. They should be doing that, but take your kids out of school at the same time. Yeah. Right. And, and then of course there are the parents who say, well, I'm not going to take my kids out of school, but the minute that my kids are out of school, I'm going to stop fighting because it's not my fight. It's mm. their kids. It's not my kid. And you know, so it's a, it's here's the here's the problem that we face as Christians. We've been schooled, we've all been schooled, and so we are we are fearful. We are not courageous. Um, and I'm going over this in, on my show that I do for Epoch TV or Epoch TV, um, which I would encourage everybody to watch because I'm trying to step through this um, chimera that that we're in. Basically, this we've been we've been de-educated. So, you know, if you're one of those parents that thinks that you can't get the education of your child done all by yourself, you, you only think that because you've been schooled to think that. Right. But if you're a successful individual in our culture, there's absolutely nothing that should be standing in your way from being able to manage the education of your child all by yourself. And, and by all by yourself, I mean all by yourself with the help of the Internet and YouTube and maybe a tutoring facility, because God knows tutoring facilities are everywhere these days. And why? Because the schools aren't getting it done. And then at the same time, if you think that the schools are accomplishing education, then you really have been schooled because even the data indicate that they're not getting it done. And don't come at me with, well, I go to a good school because I went to a great school. And you know what made? I finally figured this out. So the first grade teacher that my son was assigned, and by the way, I had no choice in the teacher. I interviewed every babysitter that I ever hired, but in the, in the choice of the person who was going to guide the thinking of my child for a full school year, I had zero choice. That was chosen by a bureaucrat, uh, you know, inside the school system. Um, we were assigned a teacher. It went up on the board the day before class because they don't want to hear anything from the parents. You get the teacher we assign you and don't give us any flack and sit down, mind your manners, take your seat, raise your hand to be spoken to, ask permission, and all of that stuff. And my girlfriend called me because she saw the list on the board the day before school. She said, oh, good for you. You got Mrs. Smith. She's the best. Everybody loves her. And she was, in fact, a lovely gal. And um, that was great for first grade, you know. But I'll tell you why she was beloved. Do you want to know why she was the best teacher in the school? She kept a bowl of candy. Mm. Mm. That's why 
She was the best teacher in the school. And I witnessed it because the fifth graders would go and see her and she'd say, give me a hug. That's probably illegal now, but at the time she'd say, give me a hug. They give her a hug and they got a piece of candy and it was Mrs. Smith. You're the best. Mm. Wow. So how are we evaluating? By the way, how are the schools evaluating? I did a podcast today and I had on the, um, the Fordham Institute has just released a study evaluating the standards that the states impose on their schools. And there are apparently eight states that have adequate standards for civics and U.S. history. How many states are there in the United States? 50? And only eight of them have adequate standards. And those are just the standards that the state sort of admonishes the schools to uphold, whether the schools uphold or not. And by the way, your school maybe gets an A grade, and that means like a 56% on the testing that they do to evaluate how good the school is, because that's how inflated our grades are now. I'm just saying, you know, it's not enough to just take somebody's word good. You define good. Define good for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I know how I define good, but that doesn't mean that you define it the same way. We got to figure out where we're coming from these days in order to be able to interpret each other's words. Yeah. And that's scary, actually. That's unfortunate. You know, when you said we were with the two minutes, the crumbs, it made me think there's crumbs from the master's table that can feed you for days and days and days. You were thinking the same thing. And yet from the world, like crumbs are nothing. They're absolutely nothing. And I appreciate, even though you kind of came to that revelation on the show about like, just take your kids out of church then. And I think there's people who will just reel back from that. But the more I dig into the word, (laughs) right, exactly. The more I dig into the word, I notice a few things. One, the prophets were pretty much the annoyance of society because of the conviction and the truth, the uncompromising truth that they would speak that would always be challenging the comfort and the happiness. We had an episode in our previous season called Happy Lies because those are the lies that keep you. When you know the lie is destroying you, you're more likely to try and purge it out. But when it's a lie that keeps you happy, you're more likely to just finagle and even change the Bible to make it so you can keep that lie. And this is one of the things that allows parents to take the breathers. It's something that allows parents to both work if they both really want to find purpose outside of the home in that way. This is something that- What do you you mean breathers? I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, like the parents who are like, I just need a breather for my kids. I just need a break for my kids. And hey, when when they turn five, bye, I'll see you. And it's like, you know, like those those things. And I'm like, you're going to have to let that go in that way. You'll find a break. You'll find a breather. But as far as this, this is your children's eternal future on the table. Right. Well, and, and there's another thing here. There's, there's another paradigm at work that I definitely, yeah. So what I've discovered is because for decades, parents have been sending their children away from them for the entire day. And as the kids grow, of course, there's after school stuff. And so, so there's very, let me just say very little parenting that's going on and the school becomes the parent. And then the parents get upset because the school is not disciplining the child. And all of a sudden the child has disciplinary problems. Well, maybe it's because it's being ignored by the parents and the school is not doing anything about that. And, you know, I'm just saying, I, you know, there are plenty of reasons, right? Why children become misbehaved, but certainly the lack of parenting that has now been fostered and it's now institutionalized. It's now um, culturally appropriated within our culture now that parents really have much less parenting to do. And so because they weren't parented, now parents don't know how to parent. So you notice that there are some there are some people who are teaching parenting classes, right? In fact, I'm about to start 
doing that because what I'm realizing is the parents come to me and they say, oh, I've got this educational problem with my child. He refuses to sit still for the Zoom conference. That's not a, first of all, that's not an educational issue. That's a parenting issue. But secondly, don't make your child sit still if he's, you know, five or six years old for a kindergarten Zoom conference. That's worthless. (laughs) That actually teaches him the wrong things. So let's not be doing that. So my point is we have a parenting crisis. Now, what is that? If you want to take it to the Luciferian realm, that is that people now no longer understand their relationship to God right? because they've had nobody model it for them here on earth. Now, I never had an earthly father. Well, I shouldn't say I never. I had a very poor example of earthly fathers, but that didn't prevent me from, from using that to understand that my relationship with my celestial father can be everything that I never had, right? The par- and to recognize that my role in my children's life is to be the representative of God for them until they become old enough to really have that relationship directly with God, which is really what, what it's all about, right? That's the, that's the fundamental thing, right? The eternal salvation of their eternal soul and not the, just the here and now and not the good job. And, um, and it's unfortunate because I think that it's kind of part of the design. Mm-hmm. You separate children from their parents is actually... There's another separating them from God, which is not the way that I've thought about it in the past, but that's really what it is. Yeah. That's his, that's his technique, uh, division, separation, inversion, uh, inversion. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what we fight. We fight, you know what? We don't fight flesh and blood. I mean, we, we, I would love to go after some people, but really <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, that's not who we fight and where our minds have to be. It has to be in that spiritual mindset. It has to be, we have to start taking in these things and understanding these things. The things that we don't like as Christians, that's what they're learning at school. And I think that we can all agree on that. It's like, it's like, that is the bottom line. And so you put it so, you put it, Shay just put it so distinctly. You know that stuff you don't like? That's what they're getting. Yeah. That's like the best sales pitch. <laughs> a tweetable sales pitch. What about the stuff you like? Yeah, they're not getting any of that. None of no. it. Right. And it's such a great way to put it. But, here, but here's the, the way that I'd love to sort of feed into that. To give them the stuff that you want them to have, it's just not that hard. So, right. so I used to, I used to think, because I wasn't raised as a Christian, I didn't know how to teach my children to be good Christians. Cause what do I know? Mm. Guess what? Very few good Christians out there. In fact, none, cause everybody's a sinner. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that weight is off my shoulders, <laughs> but, but what I realized is, you know how you teach the Bible? It's funny. Cause it's actually quite simple. And there's a really good book about it that sold like a ton and it's called the Bible. <laughs> Literally you pick this book up and you just start reading and, and don't even, it's like, it literally is that simple. In fact, there's a part of me and I've written two devotionals already and I've got another one. There's a part of me that's like, oh, people shouldn't read devotionals. That's ridiculous because they should just read their Bible. But I understand the, I understand the necessity for devotionals because we didn't grow up reading the Bible. We've been schooled to not read the Bible, if you will. Right. That's literally, we've been schooled because if you went to 12 years of school, one thing that you absolutely learned was don't read the Bible because read all of this other stuff. And so by, by just by virtue of its absence, you learned, you were schooled to not read the Bible by virtue of having to raise your hand to ask a question. You were schooled to not question. And then if you take that to its ultimate, what does it teach you? If you're supposed to not question, (laughs) not to think you've been actually schooled to not think. And that's where we are today. And I'm here to tell you, you are the perfect person to educate your children out of that paradigm and set them free. Because that's why Christ came to set the captives free. We've been captive 
of a school system. And it's time that we broke free and, and you can do it and I can show you how. Yes. I like that. Amen. You know what? I'm going to add something. I'm looking at my, my, my studio audience out there, the audience. Yeah. No, break free from a lot of things that the world's putting us yes. in. Because guess what? They're just prepping them for later. I, I mean, I was prepped for the army. Hello. Raise your hand. Don't say nothing. <laughs> Stand in formation. <laughs> obey. <laughs> right, obey. And, 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 and I'll be honest. Some things coming down the pipeline, it's going to be a little bit harder for me to obey. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, and so we'll see where that takes us. But we got to work, we got to work when they're young. We, you know, we raise our, our child, our daughter, man, love her to death. And, and, and I see the world to where it's going. And here, here's my, as a father, a warrior, someone who's been in war, who's, who's gone and done the things. I want to raise her to where she can put on the full armor of God daily to fight, to, to win, not, not just fight. Let's not fight. So God can fight for her. So she lives victorious. She can find that peace. She can find that, that joy in what she's going to end up going through. And, and, and that is why I think homeschool, or excuse me, I'm going to have to get this right, man. Y'all got to beat, <laughs> y'all got to beat me up for this one. But, uh, but uh, self-educating. That's what I have on the paper. Self-teaching. So self-teaching. Self-educating, yeah. Self-teaching. Our children is going to be so imperative as we move forward. And, and so what would you tell the parents who are kind of stuck financially, who are sitting here probably listening to this going, we both work. We pay bills. How does that work itself out? How does it plan itself out? And, and maybe on top of that, another twist, because and, and it can all be packaged nicely together. Husbands, okay, I'm going to be real. When it comes to the whole like teaching our children, like doing it ourselves, sometimes we're just lost. We're like, huh? okay, wife, okay, that's cool. Thank you. But I, mean, I get a little more involved. I'm going to say I get oh, a little yeah, more involved. Do. But what would you say to them as well? You know, and how could you package that to where they understand what the importance of all of this? Okay, to the husbands, I'm very sad that our society has taught you that you're irrelevant because you're not. Having grown up without a father and watching Kevin interact with our children has been the greatest joy for me to, to in a sense, relive the father-daughter paradigm through my husband and our daughter. Um, they're actually away on a trip right now together. Awesome. It's so cool like <laughs> that she has that because yeah. that's something that, that I couldn't, personally provide for her, but I managed to get it done for her. And right. So I take credit. Um, anyway, uh, Love it. Um, you know, you're, you're more meaningful than you think, and you've got to snap out of it. You've got to break free of the shackles that our education system bureaucracy has put on you. Um, for the parents who are struggling financially, uh, the, the, unfortunately, <laughs> that's just a separate issue. You, you just have to figure out how to get it done. But sacrificing your children, right? I, you know, you, you, you're going to, and I can't solve everyone's problems. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously that's, that's going to, maybe it's a tough nut. Maybe you need to move into an apartment. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you already live in an apartment. Maybe you can't afford your car. I'm not sure. I know a guy uh, who I met whose son was failing. I think he said seventh grade was failing seventh grade. They were going to hold him back. And he said, oh no, you won't. Not, not my boy. And his wife refused. They were married and they both worked and his wife refused to, she, she wasn't going to homeschool for whatever reason. I don't know if she just felt completely incapable or she didn't care. Like, you know, right. it's somewhere in there. Right. And so he moved his work to night times. He took a job driving at night. So he would work the night shift. He would come home, school, his son, school, educate his son every morning for three hours, because frankly, that's really all that's necessary from the parent and the student then puts in the rest of the work. But the parent can just go through the book with the student and hold them accountable for what they're learning. And he did that for a full year. And they did seventh and eighth grade through the child's eighth grade year. 
And then the next year he went into ninth grade, perfectly fine at grade level, probably a little bit advanced. And I asked the man, well, how is your relationship with the boy? And he said, well, it was pretty rocky at first because obviously the kid's like, oh, now I'm homeschooled and my dad and whatever, right? And mind you, the children have been schooled to disdain their parents. The school naturally forms a wedge between the child and the parent. I don't blame teachers. Let me just say right now, I never blame the teachers. I think the teachers, by and large, wonderful people working in a broken system. And I bless them, but they should get out when they can. You know what I mean? With their with the, with the little integrity that they have left because they've been feeding this nasty, broken, Luciferian system for too long. They can they can get out, hang out their shingle and start educating other people's children. That, that, that's always a possibility. I had friends who wanted to homeschool. The wife, again, said, no, not me. The father was like, well, I have to, you know, be full-time occupied with this stuff and I've got four kids, but rather than send them, and they, they, had, they were affluent, so he wasn't going to send them to private school. So he hired uh, retired school teachers to come in for th- three or four hours every day, one per child. Wow. These children were, were personally tutored through their entire education. Of course, his daughter went to Harvard, graduated summa cum laude, you know, like, like okay, so they're sort of the poster childs for the, for the affluent way of getting it done, but then there's the non-affluent way. And you know what? You sacrifice because right. you sacrifice for your children. And we are taught that children are not worth it. We are taught, we are schooled that if you get pregnant, you get an abortion because they are disposable. Children are disposable and they're not worth it. And so don't sacrifice for your child, sacrifice for your gosh darn career instead. And we have to take a check and get our priorities back in order because I'll tell you something, your career doesn't visit your gravesite or see you in the nursing home mm. right. or drive you to the doctor when you break your hip. Your career doesn't do any of that. And neither will your children if you treat them that way. Mm. I like that. That's so, yeah. I, I, Powerful. Yeah, the, it's a challenge, but isn't the call always a challenge? It's okay. Yes, it's a challenge, but you know what? It's a tremendous blessing. That's exactly. what we're missing. This is the gift. This is the greatest gift of God is the ability to procreate. Right. You know, you've got children. Do you know how many people in the world wish that they had children? But so many people were convinced to put their careers on hold. Do you know there are companies now that are offering young women, we'll freeze your eggs for you. You give us your very best years and we'll freeze your eggs for you. And then maybe later you might be able to have a child when you're way too old and way too tired to even care. Like, like seriously, like that's where we are today. Right. And what, what parents don't understand, and I did want to get this in, when you take on the self-teaching paradigm and you are educating your children yourself, oh boy, does God have a lot in store for you because you're going to learn a whole ton of stuff mm. that you didn't even know you needed to know. Mm. God will teach you. God teaches us through our children. And to, to think that somehow it's a sacrifice that, that is somehow worse than doing the other thing. I guarantee you, whatever else the other thing is, is more of a sacrifice, is a lesser worthy than sacrificing yourself for your children. Amen. 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 That's I like that. That's Other than cool. that, I don't have any opinions on this. <laughs> right, right. Look, I mean, it's... We don't either. Right. <laughs> right. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, as, as, as we're wrapping it up, you know, I, I was sitting there and I think back to the days on the block where I grew up and it was like, man, you've been schooled. Look, parents, don't be schooled. Look, maybe you need to sacrifice yourself so you don't sacrifice your kids. And I think that is an important point that we're going to get out of this today. And you know what? That is so biblical, y'all. Yes. Sacrificial, sacrificing, be, being a slave, right? That is our kids. In the last year, guys, I've been home 50% of the time. Thank you, Army. But I have got 
exactly what she is saying, an opportunity to see into my child's life and be a part of my child's life. And you should see the exponential growth that we're watching come through her just in that extra time. And so today, as we as we close this out, is there anything else you'd like to ask? Uh, well, Sam. no, I just want to thank you. I, I want to thank you for challenging the listeners because this is something that is one of those comforts that needs to be broken. It's a conversation. It's a tough conversation because it's not comfortable, but it's the exact conversation that needs to happen a lot more. And so this week's, um, before I ask you to close it out, which is how people can get in touch with you, this week's question that you can answer at thepantrypodcast.com through an audio clip or just the good old-fashioned words on a screen is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I like that one. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, that's because that's the call. What are you going to do? So as we close out, Sam, it's been awesome. Can you let people know what you're up to, what's coming up and how they can keep in touch with you? For sure. Well, obviously go to samsorbo.com. That's got all my information there. You'll find uh, links to the Epoch, Epoch Times TV channel and my show airs every Monday evening, but then it's, it's up there. So you can go there and I think, I think you can subscribe or something. Um, that show is really dedicated to walking you through the idea of educating your children yourself, really, um, of, of breaking the chains that the school has placed upon you. And, and you don't even know the chains that are on you. I didn't. It took me over a decade to figure out. And I'm still, as you saw in this podcast, I'm still discovering um, the, the, the paradigm. And the, it's, a, it's a big shift. Um, and so, so samsorbo.com, if you want any information about the films, we didn't talk anything about films, but if you want information about films or my husband's, um, work in films, uh, you can go to kevinsorbo.net, but also sorbos.org is where Sorbo Family Film Studios is. And that's sort of a a general hub where we're organizing everything under that one umbrella, sorbos.org. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I would say one answer to the question is go watch my show. Yes. Yes. It gives, I've been nerding out on like the, the stats that you drop, the people you bring on. It's just another little piece. Oh, so that's my, so I do a YouTube show and I have a podcast and a radio show. I'm getting off of YouTube because they've, they've censored uh, a, a video that I did, which I find really outrageous. So I'm up on rumble. I've also heard that rumble is censoring now, uh, which is very unfortunate. So you can go to sorbos.locals.org and I put up all of my stuff there and some of it even behind a paywall. I do some special stuff just behind a paywall because I got to pay the bills, but sorbos.locals.org. And I'm looking at other platforms too. Um, We need to get the truth out. We need to get the truth out. And they're stifling the truth. Have you noticed? They're stifling the truth. I have no opinions on that. (laughs) God has one, and it's that he wins. Yeah, he wins. And so we're we're here to just wreck house in the meantime by not caring what the lies say. Yeah. Nice. Nicely done. So all the links that Sam just mentioned, as well as some stuff that we didn't even mention super cool that she's up to, is all going to be in the show notes for the show. And we just look forward to hearing your answer to this week's super important question. So until next time. Bye. 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 Awesome. <laughs> no, that was that was awesome. That was awesome. That was Thank awesome. You so much. Thank you. You, Thank you, know you. Fu- you know what's funny? You know what's funny?